Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the newest edition of the EKN Debrief, episode number 29, July the 25th, 2018, the event that we'll be jumping into and talking about the Texas Pro Kart Challenge race from Amarillo, Texas, round number four and five. We went to West Texas. It was a great one. So my name's Rob Howden, as always, joined by David Cole, and this week's show being presented by Acceleration Kart Racing. Acceleration Kart Racing has everything you need to go racing, from tires to helmets. They have a great website for you to order from, and kart racers ready to pick up the phone and answer your questions six days a week. With over 20 years of kart racing under their belts, Acceleration Kart Racing has the experience to help you succeed on the track. You can rely on them to get you the parts you need when you need them. Make Acceleration Kart Racing your go-to source for everything karting. All right, David Cole, jumping into this uh, edition of the debrief, talking about the Texas Pro Kart Challenge event that I attended in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, Second time that the Texas Pro Kart Challenge went to Amarillo. Uh, The track's not used on a regular basis. It's uh, really only by the owners. Uh, A replica of the F1 track in Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, It's essentially, you know, like, you know, it's it's a field of dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. Uh, the feedback really, really positive on this racetrack. People absolutely love it. There's no cornfield there, though, is there? There's so no there's no ghost there's of nothing. say like you know former carters coming out of the of the, out of the corn to to greet you and and to to have a, a drive around the racetrack with you. It's West Texas, David. I could see you coming from about forty miles away. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Just- so that that. That's the one kind of good thing that they have is that they have plenty of room there. It seems like there was there was no lack of of space uh, for this type of event, especially in the paddock. You know, being as as wide open and as an area that it's in. Uh, it, 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 but again, the downside is is there's nothing blocking all that wind and and everything from blowing over uh, everything uh, in the paddock. I'll tell you this right now: we were all thankful for that wind (laughs) you're right there's nothing to block the wind at all but amarillo was in the middle of a record-setting heat wave when we were there uh temperatures anywhere from you know 95 in the morning uh up to like 104 105 throughout the weekend it was that steady wind that actually made it bearable it was david i'm telling you and you know i was outside under an easy up for this particular race because the, the track doesn't have the full timing tower announcers tower um you know i talked to the 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 track owner thane morgan he's looking at putting in potentially a covered paddock as well or a covered pit uh, pit area pit lane uh grid area but man if it wasn't for that wind i think we all would have melted it was it was just that hot well not yeah not every track can have the howden tower right this is true you're right they should but you're right yeah um (laughs) So the wind helped, but was it, was it aggressive wind or was it just enough to yeah. help keep you cool? No, it was, it was, well, I would say, yes, it was aggressive because it was hard in the face from the West the entire time, but it wasn't like it was blowing easy ups over. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was damaging the paddock at all. It was just, it was a steady wind the entire time. And honestly, if it wasn't for that wind, I think we all would have melted because it just, it's, it's what kept us cool. I mean, we were all worried, you know, they kept saying, well, it's not supposed to be windy on Saturday. And then it was windy. Thankfully, well, it's, it's not it's not supposed to be windy on Sunday. We have a pretty good thankfully, we have a pretty good record going for 2018 with uh, record temperatures in Phoenix. We had record heat indexes. I did for the uh, USB cast race at Mooresville. 
you you just said Amarillo had record temperatures uh, for this period yeah. of time. I'm telling you, global warming it's it's real, baby. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, and you, we know that it's, there's a you know it's a heat wave going across the entire North America, and we've been hammered by it. We like you said, we were 106 degrees in Phoenix, but the crazy thing about Phoenix was for the Scusa Spring Nationals, you know, a week earlier it was like 90 degrees or 85, 90 degrees. The day we left, I walked out of the hotel on Monday after Amarillo, and it was like 85 degrees. <laughs> it was beautiful. They had they were like mid 80s, low 90s for the rest of the week. We just, we hit it right on the right time. And even last year when they were there, it was mid eighties. Uh, it was just this heat wave and we just, we hit it at the wrong time. It is what it is, I guess. So Dave, everybody love this racetrack. Uh, it's long. Uh, it, it's, it's a long track, 12 corners. Uh, the track itself where we, where the paddock situated, the building where we were is all kind of down in the one corner uh, where turn one, two, and three, four kind of is a little short shoot on the front straightaway. Then they just they just take off from you all the way down to, to turn number nine and ten to the far you know far far away from the track. But the, the track's a little harder for for single speed carts, and that's interesting. It's like and I said it's the it's a replica of Istanbul, the the F one track in Turkey, but it's got long straightaways and actual hairpins. The shifter guys loved it, uh, but there's a couple spots, David. They're knocking down to first gear, so they're loving the deep braking down to fifth, the first gear back in the throttle. But for guys in like Mini and Junior or whatever it may be, it's hard for them to gear for the top end, but then get out of those tough corners because they're, 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 you know, the, the the gearing is so tough because they just they almost stall in the corners because it's so tight. Well, it's just part of racing. Sometimes you have sure. circuits that aren't flowing, and that a lot of these newer tracks are that way to where there isn't that very very tight slow corner. I mean, old tracks as we've seen typically have that so that it was always you know it and it's just kind of the way the the sport has gone into these flowing tracks rather than you know this hard deep braking like you said dropping down into first gear type deal we don't we don't have that anymore the only time we have that is in maybe a street race where you have a really tight 180 degree corner so it's it's good to have that because like you said it 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 provides a little bit of drama because, okay, what gearing, what are you going to gear for? Are you going to gear for the straights yep. or are you going to gear for the corners? Because if you can get through the corners better, you can gear better for the straights. Agreed. And like I said, the shifter guys love the, everybody loved the racetrack. They just love the flow of the track. Uh, probably three or four good uh, passing opportunities. So there was a lot of great racing. The event itself drew 75 entries. All the regular Texas Pro Kart Challenge guys, plus a couple uh, racers came in from California and Colorado the series leveled off nicely seven, you know, right. We're over 70 every, every race weekend. And I think that's big for this program, obviously only in second year as a pure Supercarts USA regional series, they were getting, you know, 55, 60, 65, maybe last year as a high, uh, they jump up to 70 to 75. I see more growth for next year, potentially go into, you know, 85, 90 and potentially try to hit that, that, uh, that hundred mark, the junior category, uh, the most largely largely attended uh, class. There was supposed to be 18. I think they ended up in, with 17 drivers, uh, but that was great. You know, you look, one of the cool things is I looked at all the points. They had over 110 drivers who have entered at least one Texas Pro Kart Challenge race this year. So the interest is there. The driver pool is there to get to that magic 100 mark. They just need to get a couple people to kind of convert them from just one-offs or two-offs into full-time drivers. You know well, is, is distance an issue? Because as you said, what, uh, you know, Amarillo is a, a good distance away from 
Dallas and Houston, where the majority of these racers are based out of. Uh, it, yeah. looked, it looked to be a little bit closer to Oklahoma than any of those two <laughs> cities. You know, David, we're, we're not talking about Southern California, you know, where you've got four tracks within a two-hour drive. Everything's a haul. You know, Houston, Dallas, that's the obviously the base with Speed Sport, Dallas Karting Complex, Denton. Getting out to Amarillo is a, is a long haul. It's, it's, you know, you've made a commitment to, to make the haul out there. But I think to go to a new track like this, uh, I think I think it's a great draw, and I think a lot of people loved it. You know, they they love being out there. Uh, the obviously the track ownership, uh, the hospitality for Thane and his crew were fantastic. Um, it's a great racetrack, and I think that that's one of the things that that is an issue with Texas is just because it's so big. It's the, the state is huge, and even that gap between Houston and and Dallas is enough of a gap that normally we would never have to to you know travel that far. And the other thing too is is maybe because it was a three day event, and not two. I mean, maybe, maybe some people aren't budgeted to, to do that for travel wise. I mean, we just kind of been talking about that with, uh, the column we, we posted, I, I posted yep. today and, and we talked about last week during the WK debrief, you know, maybe, maybe they're, they're just racers who, you know, as you said, there's, there's over 110 drivers that have entered at least one, uh, race this weekend, this, this season, maybe they just don't quite have the budget to travel for three days. And can only or well, or to travel at all, really, to be honest. Potentially, yeah, potentially, it's it's a long haul. But as I said, the cool thing about it is this is really the only like top level kind of. It's it's a regional, but it's a national, right? Mark and Gina French t- try to run their regional series very much like Scuza runs their pro tour to prepare drivers to make that jump. There's obviously another series that runs the Briggs categories and other classes in that in the state, but I think. Four, you know, I always say three or four races is the way to go. I like the four races because they hit the primary tracks in that Dallas Houston area. And I like this run out to Amarillo. It's a cool place. It's, it's like a one-off go have fun. So I think, I think the series is moving in the right direction. Got a great staff there. Um, you know, Gina, Mark, the whole crew, they do a fantastic job. I'll tell you, Mark French is a hell of a race director. You know, he wrenches on his kid's cart when, when they're, when they're carting, obviously Jake, uh, you know, one I think he's ranked number three now, but he's got the national number one plate from last year. He let Jake do his own wrenching this weekend because he's the race director, Mark French is. And I'll tell you, he's doing a great job. He drops the hammer. Penalties are flying. And <laughs> same we saw in Denton, same as we saw at Speed Sports. You know, a little rougher on Saturday. He drops the hammer on penalties. Sunday, a lot cleaner. I, I think he does a great job as a race director. Well, he's, he's got plenty of years of experience watching and seeing what a lot of the different race directors do. Obviously, he's able to talk with his wife, Gina, get feedback from her on uh, you know how she's handled things in the past. So he definitely has the experience. And I think that's one of the key things to being a good race director is experience, knowing you know what the difference between racing and unavoidable contact is and and those type of scenarios and, and just knowing, you know, what, what a good racing is and what bad racing is. Um, and the other thing, other thing I, I thought about is, is, is a time period, a great point. uh, you know, being in the middle of the summer, does that help or hurt this event? Because it, it helps bring maybe some people from other areas of the country, but will it, if, if, if we did it later or earlier, would it help because of the weather make people want to go there? I don't think so. I, and a good point on let's let's first I'll start with uh, with getting back to you. Good point on on Mark being he's a father. He's a wrench. You know he and he's at the top level, so he knows what he wants to see. He knows the racing he wants to be able to do, and that's exactly the same deal uh, that happens. Um, 
you know, when he gets to a racetrack, because he, he knows the racing he wants. He, he wants to let guys race. And that's what he did at Denton. He tried to let the kids race a bit on Saturday. They drove like idiots. So he dropped the hammer and they raced better on Sunday. And he really wants to give them a chance to be able to race hard side by side with some contact. It's fine because that's what he does. Um, but I think with, with his experience, as you said, that's what has really made him a solid race director. To speak to your point of the way they had the schedule set up, I, I think it's a great schedule. I, personally, you know they ran a, they ran in March, they ran a race in June, one in July, and then they don't run against until September. The March and September races, which are during the school year, are just the two day events: practice Saturday, race on Sunday. The summer races are the three race. You, you know you roll in Thursday, you practice on Friday, race Saturday, race Sunday. I love what they've done. I think it's a great way of doing it. I don't think the weather in, in Amarillo plays any role whatsoever because it was, you know, it's normally 85 or 90 degrees. It's not like it's always going to be 105. It was a record temp. I think everybody knows that when you go there, for the most part, it's going to be mid 80s or, you know, low 90s. So, and again, I just think this, I think the series is growing. Like I said, uh, you know, 75 total entries up over 10 to 15% from last year. This program is, is on the move forward, which is good. Let's, uh, you know, that's the overview. Let's take a break. Uh, on the other side of this break, I'll come back and let's uh, let's get into the paddock pass. We'll, we'll, we'll chat a little bit about some of the stuff I saw in the paddock. Since 2003, K1 Race Gear has been a one-stop shop for all your indoor and outdoor karting needs. From racing shoes, suits, and driving gloves to chest protectors, rib vests, accessories, and bags, K1 Race Gear provides quality karting products for the enthusiast and the professional alike. We have an incredible lineup of K1 karting suits designed to fit everyone's budget. Check out our entry-level GK2, the new Apex 2, and our top-of-the-line Speed 1 suit. Then, choose from our Apex and RS1 karting gloves and add in our K1 shoes, rib protectors, and neck collars. If you need a custom suit to support your sponsors, we can create a custom look as unique as you are. As you would expect, our custom suits are made to order. With pricing as low as $495, you're sure to find a suit that not only satisfies your racing needs, but is easy on the wallet as well. We take care of all of our customers at K1 Race Gear, not just the ones with deep pockets. Visit k1racegear.com today and get everything you need for your next racing season. For over a century... Briggs & Stratton has had a commitment and passion for racing. It's a DNA found in every engine we build today. So whether you kart race, Baja, race quarter midgets, or believe that dirt and snow are just God's way of adding to the challenge, the dedicated spirit of every Briggs & Stratton employee stands at the fence waiting for the green flag to drop. Briggs & Stratton Racing. What powers you? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 29 of the EKN Debrief. Rob Howden and David Cole breaking down the Texas Pro Kart Challenge event, rounds four and five from the Amarillo Kart Circuit in West Texas. Let's jump into the Paddock Pass presented by VME Kart. Today's Paddock Pass segment is brought to you by VME Kart USA, the company that is taking American karting by storm. VME Kart USA is winning on the East Coast and West Coast and secured their first championships of 2018 thanks to Eric Jackson and Chase Gardner at the Challenge of the Americas. The new VME Kart has a very wide tuning window and works extremely well with all engine and tire platforms. To learn more, give them a follow on their social media platforms. Again, big thank you to VME Kart USA presenting our Paddock Pass for today. 
So, David, let's let's talk a little bit about the paddock and stuff I saw. It was really cool to see a couple drivers check out Dan Marillo or make their Texas PKC debuts. Uh, the Musgraves came out, uh, brought the trailer out. Billy ran an S1 and X30. Willie actually jumped behind the wheel of the shifter uh, for practice. He wanted to sample the racetrack, loved it. Billy Musgrave did back-to-back main events on Saturday in 104-degree heat. That's like, I mean, just that's the way they had them. Nobody else was doing double duty. He ran the X30, won the X30 race, came in, parked the cart. They waited for him, jumped behind the wheel of the shifter, back out, back-to-back. 36 straight laps in 104-degree heat. That's, uh, that's pretty darn impressive. It's Yeah, it's kind of a similar feat that he did uh, at the Spring Nats when he was running S1 and X30 senior there as well mm-hmm. too. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if, if, if Billy actually has an off track training program, I think his training program is only on track <laughs> to where he's just on track, uh, you know, at least four hours a day. I think he's behind the wheel four hours a day. And that's his on, that's his training program for racing. I don't think you're wrong. I think the guy drives so much that that's, he's, he's just in, in good enough shape. And he's in, he's in race shape, right? He, that that's what that's what dials him in. Now, again, I said that the, they brought the whole Musgrave Racing Company a hauler out. They brought uh, S five driver Connor Robles from Temecula out as well. He was out there battling out. He was right in the middle of a fight with a couple of the S four guys throughout the weekend. Connor did a great job. Also pitting under the tent uh, was uh, Josh Huff and David Pergandi. David makes his first X thirty Masters start. Obviously, David, uh, Dave, Dave, and David, as you know, uh, Pergandi's got tons of Rotax experience. Been running Rotax for 10 plus years, but first time for him in the X30, first time for him on the Vinco tires. He's going to run the uh the Summer Nationals at Newcastle uh with with Josh Huff again. It was he he was straight up. He says, "Rob, all we're missing right now is me." This was on Friday. He's like, "I don't I just got to figure out how to drive this engine. I got to figure out how to drive these tires. I got to learn the racetrack." It was cool to see David there, but man, he was in talking to him. He just said how different it is going back and forth between the different tires. It's a typical master's answer. It's me. It's me. It's me. <laughs> you know, get out, get in. You know, they see that's the problem with these master's drivers. They, they, they blame themselves. Well, they could just do the Billy Musgrave training program and just be on the racetrack every day of your life. And then you wouldn't have to complain about it because then you'd be good no matter what. So, well, there is that thing they call it's called being a soft shell. He, you know what? Let's not, I won't bang Pergandi too bad. He, he hung in there all weekend long. I think soft shells grown, grown his hard shell. Now he's doing, he's doing all All right. right. Anyway, uh, there is that thing called work though, David, that a lot of people have to do. I'm not sure if you know about that or not. No, as you keep telling me, I do zero work for this company. So yeah, I have no idea what that means. I didn't, I didn't say zero, David. I said, I think I said very little. Yeah. And what, uh, what it is, is weak. weak. Weak and very little. Yes. <laughs> um, another cool thing for the paddock. Uh, Alejandro Jaramillo pitting out of his 12-foot trailer with his dad and their tuner, Adam Johnson. 10 by 10 easy up. Just the three of them working on the cart. You know, old school, little trailer, little easy up. And the guy was up front in X30 Senior all weekend long. Like I always say, David, the cart has no idea how it got there. No, no. And he just, it was awesome. It was awesome. I, I, you know, cool again, that, I'm going to, I'm going to predict because we've seen it at the summer nationals. So I'm, I'm kind of looking ahead to that. We're going to see somebody win at the summer nationals, pit it out of the back of their truck again. Uh, I think we've seen it the last two years, you know, Mike, AJ Myers and his dad, Mike Myers did it. Yeah. Uh, we saw it with Nick LaDuke at the spring Nats. 
so I'm, I'm sure we'll probably see somebody at the summer nationals pitting out of the back of their truck. It could be the Leduc again too, because we know he's making the long haul from California, but, uh, you know what? I think here's the thing, David. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a new T-shirt made all about out of the back of the pickup truck. But we'll figure out what we're going to call it, out of the back of the pickup truck. And then you and I are going to come up with an award we'll give out every weekend. When, if there's somebody out of the pickup truck, we're going to give them a T-shirt. Yeah, I think I like that's a that. cool idea. We gotta come, we'll come up with a cool name for it. Um, capping off the paddock pass, one of the things I loved about the weekend. Uh, so the inside the, the building was one big steel building uh, at Amarillo. They've got a couple of race sections. There's, you know, there's a, a driver lounge on one side. There's a kind of a break room, locker room on the other side, second level middle of the, of the thing. When you, when you, when you go all the way through the middle of the, uh, the building, you know, doors and the post sides, huge fan in the middle to keep the place cool. But in the top level where they have the driver lounge is where we did the, we did the kind of like a formula one style uh, podium. So all the podium guys came up, they were able to go into the AC, hang out. There's some beanbag chairs in there. They were all hanging out, and we brought them out one at a time, you know, kind of Formula One style. It was super cool. People loved it. They were up on top for the podiums. You can see the pictures uh, if you go to the Texas Pro Kart Challenge uh, Facebook page. And the trophies were top-notch. They were like there was a like a, like a steel metal boot. Um, of course, Amarillo, Texas, with the big boot. But this lacing in the boot was actually the track map. I thought that was just a really kick-ass touch. They were, you know, Dave. You know, we talk about having a cool trophy, whatever it may be, something you want to, you know, you want to hold on to. Uh, that was one of them. It was super cool, just something unique for that track and that series. I loved it. That's something that uh, the Frenches have done since taking over the Pro Kart Challenge uh, there in Texas is is providing these unique trophies. I know that it's the same trophy they did last year, so it's it's very cool that they have. Uh, event unique trophies uh, and they always try to incorporate the track design i know they've done that i think they did that at speed sports uh, probably have done that at ntk but uh, yeah definitely uh, you don't want just the same simple type trophies you got to have something unique uh, for each event you go to. one of the things i love too we'll cap off this uh, segment the paddock pass segment they always give a trophy for winning practice right the last session the last session on friday or saturday in the, in the single week uh, single race weekends so I think they they gave out like this big massive Cadbury uh, Easter cream egg uh, when we were there in March at Speed Sports. Uh, Caleb Gaffer, I believe, won practice in micro, and I think he had eaten the Easter cream egg by the time they got back to the paddock already. Uh, this particular weekend, you went, you won practice, a fully filled, ready to go water gun. It was awesome. <laughs> all something you something you can use for the weather and and beyond the racetrack exactly right it was a, another cool little deal that they do i, I love i just well, love the you go you, you're saying how uh great mark is doing as a race director maybe he arms his race you know his race officials with water guns and they just start shooting guys as they go by when they make dumb mistakes that sounds like a fantastic idea i like that a lot actually that's pretty cool i'll uh, i'll bring that up to mark all right that's the paddock pass that's some of the stuff i saw that was away from the track itself when we get back after this break it's time to go race report let's work our way through the categories i'll tell you who was fast who wasn't talk about some of the crazy stuff that happened on the racetrack stick with us more to come on this edition of the ekn debrief in a sport where the difference between winning and losing is measured in hundreds of a second you can't afford to leave anything on the table You invest in the best equipment, the lightest components, and top-of-the-line data acquisition systems. Anything to find one more tent, right? I'll tell you right now, 
the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the new state-of-the-art speed sport racing park just north of Houston, the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy uses the very best equipment, Burrell Art Carts. They offer half-day, one-day, two-day, and three-day clinics. They have a one-on-one -on -one student to instructor ratio, and they will design a customized curriculum for each student. Alan Rudolph is one of the most respected people in the sport, and he has nearly 20 years experience training drivers, including Chase Elliott, Neil Alberico, Austin Versteeg, and Sabre Cook, and rising stars like Pietro Fittipaldi. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Start off your season with a driver tune-up. Tune up your season with some driver coaching. Or get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866-607-7223. For more information, visit speedsportsracingpark.com slash racing hyphen academy. Welcome back to episode number 29 of the EKN Debrief, of course, here on the EKN Radio Network. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, go do it. Google Play, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it, the App Store. Uh, get yourself hooked up. Download the EKN Radio app, put it on your mobile device, and you are one tap away from 24-7, 365 karting content. All of our EKN live archived races, all of our podcasts are on there. Just a great opportunity. Streaming. Put it on when you're in the garage working on the cart. When you're rolling down the road, if you're bored and you want to hear some karting, download that app. Uh, let's jump into the race report from the Texas Pro Kart Challenge event in Amarillo. This particular race report presented by IME USA, who are the importer and distributor of the hottest two-cycle engine program in American karting, featuring the X30 and Swift engines and, of course, the new KA100. They can all be found on the club, regional, and national racing events from coast to coast. IAMI USA's dedication to quality and customer service is unparalleled. IAMI is also a proud supporter of series like the United States Pro Kart Series, WK Manufacturers Cup, F-Series Gear Up Challenge, and the Superkarts USA National and Regional Programs. All right, David, let's jump into X30 Senior. Good group of drivers. I talked about Alejandro Jaramillo and how he and Adam Johnson, his tuner, pitting out of a 12-foot trailer. Dude, they, he was quickest all weekend long. I mean, like, qualified on pole, won the pre-final. He's a young kid. I think he's only 15 years of age. Uh, this kid's taking it to some pretty good drivers. We're talking Billy Musgrave, uh, Brendan Baker. We're talking guys that, uh, you know, had won championships last year, like Brett Mitchell. There's a lot of great dudes, uh, fast guys uh, in X30 Senior. He's leading. Got things handled on Saturday. Comes up on a slower car in this, the absolute worst place. Now, before the race day to the driver's meeting, Mark French said very aggressively, if you're going to be lapped, he showed, all, he showed the racers every flag. If you're, if you're getting the, the blue and the yellow with a yellow stripe, that means the leaders are coming up on you. Hold your line. Just hold your line. They'll get by you. Well, 5-6-7 is a super tight left-hand cutback and then another tight right-hander then another tight left-hander. It's, it's, it's the tightest part of the racetrack. And Jaramillo with Billy Musgrave breathing down on him, caught this, the, the slower car right there and tries to make the move. There's contact. He goes out the racetrack a little bit, and Musgrave's able to sneak through. And <laughs> Jaramillo, Alejandro was obviously disappointed with it, but in talking to him afterwards, 
He said he loved it. He's pulling out of the corner, trying to get the thing to spool back up because it's, you know, fell off the pipe. Billy Musk, Billy Musgrave drives by, looks over, and kind of shrugs his shoulders like, ah, sorry, dude. <laughs> and, and Alejandro's like, you know what? That was classy. It's not like he went by and flipped me off or said goodbye. He just went, you know, kind of shrugged his shoulders, put his hand in the air like, oh, dude, that sucks for you. <laughs> yeah, it was, kind of, it was kind of more like, what can you do? You know? Exactly. A guy crashes exactly. you. But again, you know, it just comes down to experience. And that's one yep. thing, you know, that's one of the n- newer things that he's got to get used to is getting around lap traffic. Uh, you well, know, he was always in the in the middle pack of yep. during his junior career out in the pro tour stuff. So now that he's up front, he's got to learn that. Adam Johnson said it pretty, we, we were talking afterwards. He said, you know what I probably would have did? Now, I'm not sure if the race director would have liked it, but he goes, I probably would have parked the guy. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I would have went in there. And just kind of pushed him off. Well, and I'm like, you know what? I get it. I, that's that's a way to do it too, because you know you're trying to win a race, and it's it was just the toughest place, David. Just anywhere else, and he goes by easy, all, right? On the outs, whatever, just couldn't happen. It's tough. It's almost the safest thing to do because if you just kind of get on his bumper the right way, and when you think he's going to break, you just kind of start pushing him towards the outside of the corner so you can get to the apex before he does. It, it, you know, again, it just it kind of boils down to experience and, and it's something that some guys get right away and some guys don't. So, and again, being a lot, you know, if you're in lap traffic, you kind of got to know that if the leaders are coming to look and point them by, pull over, yeah. do the, do the, well, that's, but that's what, that's what Mark said not to do. Right. He did, he didn't want you to point anybody by, he wanted you to hold your lane. And that to me, you bring it, you, you brought it up right there, David. I, I don't think that's personally the way to go. I think you see that yellow, have a quick look over your shoulder. And if you're, if you're a lap car, you're not in a battle. Let him, let him by. Pull the Steve I, I, Wiener move and, and pull off to the yeah. side, yeah. you know, point him out the way you want him to go and let him by. It's easier to do it that way. That's all you got Because if, if, if you stay in the racing line, again, there's no telling what's going to happen. And, and this, this is what happens. Yep, exactly. So, as I said, uh, Billy Musgrave able to slip through after the contact. Uh, Alejandro able to hold on to second over CRG Nordam driver Brendan Baker, who was in the, the fight all weekend long. On Sunday, Jaramillo comes right back again, puts it on the pole, wins the pre-final. But Billy Musgrave was the absolute man on the move, took the lead, pulled away his second win of the weekend. Really, really impressive weekend in the X30 for Billy Musgrave. Uh, Baker able to beat out Jaramillo for second spot, but really great racing all the way through the pack, Dave. You know, there was four or five guys in the lead in the lead battle, but there was these little awesome two and three car battles almost all the way through the field. It was it was a lot of fun watching and calling the X thirty race. And if I'm correct, Musgrave was on the Illuminos in the X thirty because that's something he hasn't done uh, all season. He's normally been on the Mad Croc, so I'm wondering if it took him the weekend to kind of get find the right setup to be that extra quick uh, for Sunday. So. We'll have to ask him that when we get to Newcastle if he's, if he's going to do double duty there as well. Well, I'm sure I'm sure he'll be doing double duty. There's no doubt about that. It's just a matter of what <laughs> chassis he'll be running uh, in sure the enough. X30 senior. Let's move to the X30 junior class. As I said earlier uh, in the overview, the biggest class, 17 drivers. Brandon Tyner actually ends up with a sweep of the weekend. Um, didn't actually win on track on Saturday. Emiliano Richards was given a penalty after winning for avoidable contact. And it was a good call. The contact was definite, was definite and, and it was avoidable. Uh, Tyner came back though, David on Sunday and earned the win outright. He had both Tyler Max and, and uh, Emiliano Richards chasing him down. He had about a second and a half lead. Brandon Tyner did, and he held it. 
And, you know, David, you, you've been covering racing for a long time. And you'll see the kids have those breakout wins, right, when they, when they get some good victories. This is a regional win for Brandon. But he was challenged by one of the top junior drivers, two of the top junior drivers in the country, in Max and, and Richards. And he responded. He put down some great laps, maintained that 1.5 gap, slowed up a little bit in the final circuit. I think, I think the margin at the line was about four-tenths of a second. But for Brannion, pretty impressive for him to be able to get both victories. Uh, and then Max was third on Saturday and second on, on Sunday. So pretty much the same drivers up front. But I'll tell you that I was very impressed with Brandon and how he was able to handle the Sunday race being chased. They were chasing him hard, but a second and a half up and he just maintained that gap. Well, that could be uh, a good momentum going into uh, the spring Nats. I'm pretty sure he'll be uh, in Newcastle coming up or summer Nats. Sorry. He'll be uh, in Newcastle coming up here uh, in a few weeks. So good momentum for him. And, you know, again, probably might uh, tighten up the championship chase there with, with Max in there and and, yeah. and Tyner and Richard. So it'll be interesting to see what how it unfolds at, at the series finale. Yeah, one more race. It's a single race weekend in Dallas at the Dallas Carding Complex in September. The championships, all the championships are actually uh, pretty close. And what, let's move to X30 Master. And one of the reasons why the championships are still close is because Miguel Mir, easily the quickest Masters driver in Texas, but he's probably also the most unlucky. He had an, he had an issue at Denton and DNF'd dominates the action in Amarillo on Saturday to take the win. Just absolutely, you know, pulled away, got started on the pole after winning the pre-final, pulled away. The opening couple corners, Dave, are, are, are pretty tight. You roll down into a, 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 it's not really a hairpin, but it's not a 90-degree corner either. It's more of a, a, a cutback. And then kind of a little, they don't call it a turn, but it's kind of a little right-left jink to roll out back onto the front chute. He was able to get away from any kind of chaos behind him. In both races, there was some, you know, some bumping and banging, and Miguel pulling out, you know, a second and a half on the opening lap. He gets he gets through the chaos uh, on Saturday. Absolutely dominates. Uh, David Pergandi in second, and Tyson Knight in third. So in Sunday's main, same thing. Uh, they you know they all jump into turn number one. Someone comes across, I believe, on Pergandi. They're kind of bumping up uh, on each other. Mir runs away again. Uh, Scott Cherry and uh, uh, Jamie Labastida get into second and third. I think they started like sixth or seventh or something like that. They're, they go to P2 and P3 with a huge gap. Pergandi and Knight, they're all trying to get going again. Well, Pergandi's on a, on a tear. So he's trying to, you know, he's running fourth. He's going to go try to chase down uh, Cherry and Labastida to see if he can get on the podium. Two laps in with a four-second lead already, Miguel Mir, broken throttle cable right at the pedal. Like, <laughs> this guy, David... The luck just isn't there. It's crazy. Yeah, that's part. That's part of racing. Uh, luck can either be on your side or not on your side. Uh, we've seen it over the last couple of weeks here in, in our family. Uh, luck is definitely not on our side. Yeah. So uh, you know, it just it just kind of just follows you uh, for a short period of time, or it could be a very long period of time. So hopefully, things will turn around for him uh, at the se- season finale. What's it, what, what is it? It's, uh, you, it's good to be lucky and lucky to be yeah, good. Yeah, Either or, go. <laughs> right? So, Mir's out. Scott Cherry, uh, Jamie Labastida in a battle. Labastida leading, Cherry all over him, but David Pergandi's coming. Uh, on the Tony card, as I said before, Josh Huff on the wrenches. David's starting to get a feel for it. and it's a, it's a, Dude, it was a long race. 18 laps uh, for the Masters, guys. It's a long haul. Well, David's you know half a second quicker. And I'm calling it, like, okay, he's running out of laps. He needs to be almost seven or eight tenths of a second quicker. 
kind of running out of laps, running half a second faster, but then he goes six or seven tenths quicker, and he's closing. He's within four seconds, three, two. He's he's about a, not even a second away on the final circuit. He He's going to run out of laps. He needed probably two more laps. Pagani's going to battle for the race win. They come out of turn 11 and 12, big kind of a, a sweeping right-hander that comes over to turn one, two, and then between two and three is the, is the start-finish line. <laughs> going into turn number one, coming to the checker. Labastida is on the inside, of course, running the defensive line. Cherry goes way wide on the outside. You know, he's going to try to make the run to see if he can't tuck back in. Well, as they come to the breaking, into the breaking zone of one, Labastida moves over to set up for the corner, and Cherry's already there. They collect each other. They go off the track, and Pergandi just drives right on through for the race win. <laughs> just he's again lucky to be good. Good to be lucky. Well, uh, racing at the Challenging Americas, those long finals that we see there uh, over the last you know however many years we've been covering seven or eight yep. years now. You know that that definitely helps Pergandi and being able to to know and him and Huff working together all this time to set up for the long run, you know, and it's not always the first couple of laps. It's, it's those long, like you said, 18 laps on a, what mile long racetrack, that's 20 minutes of racing. So uh, to be able to set up for those long distances is, is definitely a plus. And it, you know, thankfully luck and, and that helped paid off for uh, Pergande for the victory. Yeah. Very good point. Uh, being able to run those longer races. Uh, Tyson Knight ends up in second again, this time on the podium though, Rod Lake coming in third. So there's your X30 categories. When we get back after this break, we'll talk Mini Swift and Micro Swift, and we'll take a rundown through the stock Honda categories. Stick with us. More to come here on the EKN Debrief. There's a new customer service-focused karting company in Texas, and it's called Cart One. Cart One is located in Rosenberg, just southwest of Houston, and our focus is to support and grow karting in this region. We'll be supporting the Texas Pro Kart Challenge, the Speed Sports Racing Park Club Series, and the Gulf Coast Carters Club in Katy. And we're the only kart shop in Texas to sell the championship-winning ITEL Kart chassis line. The ITEL Kart has found success from coast to coast. ITEL Kart has stood atop the podium at the Florida Winter Tour, ITF Gold Cup, F-Series Gear Up Challenge, and they have also won at the highest level of racing in the U.S., Superkarts USA Super Nationals. Cart One has ITEL Cart chassis in stock and ready for purchase. We're also dealers for IAMI engines and parts and Avinco tires as well. Give us a call at 281-383-9929 or to learn more about our new company, head to www.cart1.racing. If you want to drive the best, drive a CRG. Our countless race wins and championships prove this fact, including taking the KZ Finals at the Scusa Super Nationals and the CIK World Championships in both 2016 and 2017. Our material is second to none. After years of independent American importers, CRG is now managed directly by the factory and run out of our state-of-the-art headquarters in Texas. CRG Nordam is the American arm of the CRG factory in Italy, and we're serious about success. We stock a wide variety of parts and all of our chassis, from the CRG Hero for the mini categories, to the Heron for taggeries, the Road Rebel for gearbox competition, and the new FS4, which has been designed specifically for American four-cycle Briggs racing. If you're ready to step up to the national level, 
do it with a factory race team that competes across the USA. CRG Nordam is a full factory effort with the best personnel and the finest equipment. We're serious about winning, and you should be too. Welcome back to episode number 29 of the EKN Debrief, July 25th. David Cole, myself, Rob Howden, talking about the Texas Pro Kart Challenge event out in Amarillo, Texas. It was a warm one for sure. Let's jump into Mini Swift, David. Uh, we're on, in the uh, the race report section of the of the podcast. Uh, IAMI USA, our, our presenting sponsor of the race report. Aiden Rudolph, pretty solid out of the gate in qualifying in the pre-final. Uh, qualifies pole, wins the pre-final. Uh, but late race action in in the in the uh, the Saturday main saw Joseph Moss come to the lead. Very impressive. He and Cooper Shipman able to get out there. It was for both of those drivers, Shipman and Moss, probably the best I've seen them run. They were on top of it. They were getting aggressive, making good passes. Moss able to get out front. Uh, he ends up crossing the line for the win. You know, everybody's screaming and yelling. Tough that he, he ended up getting a penalty for avoidable contact, which moved Cooper Shipman to the race win, but not taking anything away from the speed that Joseph Moss showed on Saturday. Very impressive run for him. As I said, though, he ends up getting dropped back and, and, and Shipman with the win. Sunday's action, it was thrilling. Uh, Rudolph, Alex Stanfield, and Chase Gardner pulling away as the lead trio. They're settling in. You know, they're running one, two, three. And I'm wondering, you know, Gardner, when are you going to make your move to second? Because, you know, this is early in the race. <laughs> he makes his move for the lead, David. Coming down this long back straightaway into, into the hairpin turn number 10. You know, I, I'm ready to give him the book. It. He's looking to the inside of, I believe it was Stanfield, I think, trying to go by. He goes by both Stanfield and Rudolph. Passes two carts on the inside into the hairpin to come out as the leader. Easily the best pass of the weekend. Uh, it's good. Good racing, always in the mini swift category. And th- it's good to see a yeah. lot more uh, drivers involved uh, in, in the lead group. You know, uh, we're used to seeing Stanfield and Gardner and Rudolph now at the front. So good to see uh, Cooper Shipman and Moss up there as well, too. So after the pass, Stanfield locks on to the VME of, uh, of Gardner, and they pull away. Rudolph kind of falls down the order a little bit, ends up getting passed by Enzo Swan for the third position. Stanfield, he's, he showed very well. He was dominant at Denton for rounds number two and three, winning both races all over Gardner. And you know, you're wondering, when's he going to be able to make the pass? Well, Gardner starts pulling away just a little bit, and he was actually able to hold uh, Stanfield off. So Gardner gets the race win, Stanfield second, Swan third. Really good racing in Mini Swift. In micro, just six drivers, but again, you know, these young kids get a feel for it. Ivana Richards makes her uh, her debut. Uh, Emiliano's sister makes her debut in the Texas Pro Kart Challenge. Dominates the weekend. Paces every lap. Qualifies on pole on Saturday. Wins the pre-final. I told you before that, that Mark French uh, went through all the flags. He pulls the checkered flag out and says, guys, you race to this. Don't stop racing until you see the checkered flag. I hate to say this, but Ivana pulled in. One corner too early on lap uh, lap fifteen. They ran a sixteen lap final. She pulled in before the checkered flag. Everybody was just gunning well, for it. It's horrible. Yeah, it's it's not the first time and it won't be the last. We it's something we see <laughs> in right. karting. Uh, we've even seen in junior categories where drivers are pulling off. So it's just just one of those things where you know maybe they got distracted and didn't realize that it was a white flag and thought it was a checkered. You know, so it, it's hard to tell. You know, being that young and and under, not knowing what kids are thinking in their heads at that age. So, uh, tough deal. My thought was that we they started them on the, the little short shoot from 12 to 1. 
checkered flag was fl- flew, flew after they came around that corner between two and three. I'm thinking that she probably figured she was just going back to where she started, right? So nonetheless, some lessons very hard to learn or they, they learn, but sometimes it's not, it's a painful way to learn it. That, that's what happened for Ivana. Uh, in her absence, because she didn't come around, uh, Ethan Thomason gets the win. Sarah Bradley finished second and James Moss uh, capped off the podium of third. On Sunday, she learned, David. No mistakes whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely blows everybody away. Cruises to her first series win. Thomas in second. And Moss, his second third place finish of the weekend. So Ivana took t- took the lesson and came back and won. I like that. Well, that's that's part of the reason why a lot of these parents like the two, two races weekends instead of the one. Because if you do screw up Saturday, you have the ability to come back on Sunday, learn from your mistakes, and do it then instead of having to wait for a month, two months, you know, however long for your next event in order to, to, um, redeem yourself. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, all right, let's jump into the final three uh, categories here, all running together as a combined race group. S one pro stock Honda, four drivers, good battle between Jake French, Billy Musgrave, uh, Hunter Pickett and Christian bird. Christian actually racing hard with, uh, one of the S two drivers is uh, Blair Hosey. That's kind of where he slotted in on pace. Top three drivers, though, Dave, were just a great battle. Uh, Jake French obviously showed why he is one of the best drivers in the country. He swept all six sessions, you know, qualify, pre-final, final, won everything, won both main events. But Pickett got a whole shot and was able to pull out in front of him at one point. Uh, Jake eventually able to get by. But the bottom line was there was just some great racing. Musgrave uh, and Pickett were second and third on Saturday. They swapped the spots on Sunday. And as I said, uh, Christian Bird battling hard. Uh, with Blair Hosey for most what? of the weekend in sorry. the S two. Oh, go, sorry, going to get able to sorry, talk I'll here. I'll let you. Yeah. I'll let you comment. You a break, I'll you know, you, comment. You, give, you don't give me enough breaks, so <gasps> I give you a break here. Uh, but I was going to just ask you a question so you can talk more because we all love hearing you. Uh, wow, what's the word on Jake French for the future? Uh, is it just going to be more focused on the car stuff still, or are we going to see him at the Summer Nats? That's actually not a question I asked whether or not he was going to race. I know that he's sidelined right now in F4. They just don't have the budget to fix the car after the wreck that they had uh, at, at Road Atlanta. They were able to get it, get behind the wheel of an F4 car at Mid-Ohio, but someone got into the inside of him at the end of the back straightaway there, and they ended up flipping it into the tires. So I'm sure that, I'm sure there's a, a bill there that they're going to have to deal with. I don't see him getting back in the F4 this year. Uh, I'm hoping that we see him at the, at the, spring, uh, at the summer nets. That's a question I probably should have asked, but I did not. So I dropped the ball there. We'll have to find out. We'll work on that later. We'll work on that. S2, semi-pro stock Honda. I'm telling you, Dave, uh, Max Hewitt is impressive. Uh, Started the season on the Alpha, moved to CRG Nordam, dominates S2, but in dominating it, he ran right behind French, Pickett, and Musgrave all weekend. It wasn't like it was those three drivers pulling away. He was right there and forth the whole time. Now, I don't know whether or not Max was like, you know what? I'll take my S2 championship. I'm good to go. But he didn't get aggressive, didn't throw himself in the middle of that battle, which is probably probably wise. But, dude, he was bad fast all weekend. So impressive. Max is really taking to the shifter. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see him at the Summer Nats and see if he'll be able to do anything with uh, with Lopez, who has four straight wins in the S2 program there. So uh, uh, should be should be a good, good weekend to watch uh, at the Summer Summer Nationals. No doubt. Blair Hosey finishing second both days, as I had said, uh, uh, battling it out uh, with uh, Christian Bird. Riley Can had a great run on Saturday. He ends up in third, 
on Sunday, Jose again, uh, Blair Jose again second. But it was Dylan Town who was able to get by Can uh, for the third spot. So there's some really good racing just outside that, that third, fourth, fifth position. They were going at it hard. You know, Nathan Stewart was in there as well with S4. He was battling with them for a while, too. Uh, he ends up taking a perfect weekend in S4. But to cap S2, just a, you know what? There's a bunch of really good shifter drivers that are young that are really starting to pick up the pace uh, in that S2 class in Texas. I, I, like, I like seeing these young guys going at it. Yeah, we, we kind of need a, a regrowth in Texas for shift cart racing. So it's good to see these guys who we've seen in, in Tag Junior and Tag Senior moving over to uh, the six speed. Agreed, agreed. Uh, as I said about Nathan Stewart uh, on his Sodi car, perfect weekend, uh, wins all three sessions. I uh, had the speed really to run with the drivers just outside the top three in S2. Rod Clenard finished second on Saturday. Track owner Thane Morgan turned things up big time, pressuring Kennard uh, for that second spot on Saturday. He ends him in third. On Sunday, Stewart wins again. Clenard out early, lap four, I think, came out of turn four, spit the chain, done on the side. Morgan cruises through for, for second, and Miguel Garcia on the Alpha gets his first podium finish of the year in the Texas Pro Car Challenge. Miguel doing a tremendous job, ends up P3. See, home track, home track knowledge doesn't always help you, but at least it gets you on the podium. That's true. Thane did a great job. He was, he was fast. And again, we thanked him. I thanked him a couple times for just building the racetrack. And he's got some plans. Uh, just to touch base on that, he's looking at this thing like, hey, what do I do with this racetrack? I built it for myself. You know, what, do I put more money into it? If you know, he, He'd love to have some more races. He'd love to have a Scooza race. He'd love to have a Rock race. He'd love to have a Rotex race. doesn't matter. It's essentially he's saying the track is here. If promoters want to come and run it, give him a call. And if, he, if the interest is there, he's he said, you know, I'll build a uh, I'll build a covered uh, grid area. I'll add this. I'll bring you know. I'll I'll push the paddock out more. He'll invest more into the track, but he just wants to know whether or not he's going to get some uh, some feedback and get some you know some play uh, with some of the other series. Interesting, of course, great racetrack, but again, out in the middle of nowhere in Amarillo, but. I stayed in Amarillo. Some great restaurants there. I had a badass pizza at 575. Uh, some great beers as well. Dude, it was, there's some really, really solid restaurants. Uh, and, again, of course, the taco truck, dude. The taco truck got me through Friday and Saturday. It was good. It was really good. Well, it, it you know, you were talking he's open to anything. It's 15 hours from California. So I'm not quite sure that the Challenging Americas could make it out that far, but you never know. True enough. Yeah, true enough. That'd be interesting. Okay, let's uh, let's cap off this edition of the Debrief, episode number 29. We're done with the Texas Pro Car Challenge at Amarillo. I had a blast. Can't wait to go to Dallas uh, for the finale in September. Let's jump into the EKN Trackside Live race calendar. We'll talk about where David and I are going to be over the next couple of weeks. This look at the calendar presented by 3G Kart Racing. Located in Katy, Texas, 3G Kart Racing is a proud dealer for the Burrell Art Chassis. 3G also sells and supports IAMI, Honda, and Briggs & Stratton racing engines, and they are dealers for Fisher Racing Engines, the finest gearbox engine builder in the sport. From club racing to national competition, 3G Kart Racing provides its valuable customers with everything they need to win. All right, David, let's, uh, let's hit on the next three races. Where are we? We're kind of at the end of July. Let's say the next five weekends. Dude, you're back on the road this weekend. I'm heading to mid-Ohio for the IndyCar race of the Mazda Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. You're, what, three hours away from me, dude? You're going to Newcastle. Yeah, it's again, one of those scheduling conf- conflicts that I can never go watch the IndyCar race at mid-Ohio. I know. As much as I would love to, but uh, going to 
going to wrap up the USPKS program for 2018 at Newcastle. This is actually my first trip to Newcastle this year, which is very odd to be this late in the year not going to Newcastle. So, dude, you, you go there so much, so many times. I'm almost used to need to rent you a house there. Yeah, well, why not? <laughs> Either that, or we stay in the uh, in the in the in, at the track itself. Now it's got plenty of the amenities there. So uh, that's true. That's true. But no, it'd be good to be uh, back at Newcastle again, and uh, looking forward to seeing what is almost, I think, a record breaking. Uh, event uh with 144 pre-entries so we're uh we're getting nice. up there i think i think 150 is a possible mark not quite sure what the highest in the uh the six years of the USPKS has been so i'm gonna have to research that and we'll uh we'll know more when the uh preview gets posted uh thursday morning and make sure, folks, it'll be live all weekend long. Again, this is the EKN Trackside Live race calendar, www.ecardinews.com slash live. Tim Coyne will be on the mic. It's the USPKS, July 27th, 28th, 29th. Uh, the finale for the series, right, Dave? The finale, yes. All the champions yeah. are going to be crowned that weekend, on the weekend, and the uh, awards, all like I think $70,000 worth of reward, awards, uh, including four wow. IME international final tickets and and many, many other uh, products and prizes uh, handed out Sunday during the uh, ceremony in the Racers Grill. Two weeks later, David, I know you've got this weekend circled on your calendar. It's the Scusa Summer Nationals, the Pro Tour finale. I know you're just really looking forward to getting back to a race with me. It's been too long, David, right? Sure, Rob. Yeah, if that's what you say. Um, I'm more looking forward to seeing who's going to come out as champions because uh, – it's what it's been an exciting no. 2018 pro tour. So I'm, you know, a lot of, a lot yeah. of different, uh, things can unfold. You know, we could see our first three time champion with Ryan Norberg. There's, you know, other championships that are coming down to the wire. Lots, you know, I could see a, a, a full season sweep in S2, depending on what Lopez does. Uh, you know, just lots of different stories that are going to unfold, uh, in Newcastle that weekend as well, too. Yeah. I look forward to it. It's, it's always a great race. The track, uh, draws a lot of guys, you know, we're probably going to be anywhere between, uh, 220, 230, 240 entries. Uh, I chatted briefly with, with Tom Kutcher yesterday and he told me that they're right on the same entry mark where they were last year at this time. And I think we had what a hundred and there was, I mean, there was 240 something drivers, 59 and X 30 senior last year. So on the, on the pace to have another massive event, uh, at the, the Scusa pro tour summer nationals, of course, that's their fi- their last pro tour race of the year. Champions getting crowned as David said, then they'll look forward to the, uh, the super nationals in November. Dave will cap off our look at the calendar labor day weekend. Again, scheduling conflicts. I'm going to Portland for Road to Indy. Damn, I'd like to be at Rock Island, though, man. Yeah, lots of uh, interesting things uh, shaping up for the, for that Labor Day weekend event. Uh, always excited to go back there. This is my 15th straight year. I'm going to have to double-check the numbers, but 2004 wow. was the first year. So uh, it's, it's definitely on the calendar uh, until I can't walk anymore. So... <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to it well hopefully one hopefully one day i'll be able to get back there again but labor day is a, a big weekend now for indycar and, and the road to indy you'll be at rock island again folks that's september 1st and 2nd uh, tim coyne who has taken my spot as the uh, the play-by-play man the voice of the rock island grand prix he'll be with david for that event all three of those races uspks scusa pro tour summer nationals and rock island live on the ekn radio network let's cap things off a wrap up from texas in the pro car challenge 
first and foremost, David, they've stabilized their driver pool 70 plus at every event, which is, I think, a big step from last year. When I'm there and I'm hanging around, the families just always look like they're having a good time. They had another barbecue, nuclear imaging systems, and P1 promotion sponsoring a big uh, barbecue on Friday night. Gina and Mark French just do a great job with this series. And as I had said, Mark's become a very good race director, not afraid to lay down the necessary penalties, which is Definitely. key. No. Track, Amarillo Kart Circuit, cool layout. Oh, yeah. I'm just, let's go back. Yeah. Do you want you to comment on, on the race directing no, deal? Sorry, it was just breaking up. So I was just, I thought you no? stopped talking. But no, yeah. It's always good. It's always good <laughs> to have uh, kind of lay down the law, but at the same time have that fun factor, fun event, fun environment, atmosphere. They do a great job with it, with the, the environment for sure. And David, what Mark's doing, being aggressive on the penalties, that even though it's not Pro Tour or it's not a USPKS or whatever these other main major events guys are going to from the Texas Pro Kart Challenge, they're learning how to race. You know, you're you're essentially forcing the racecraft on them by having them understand that if they make a mistake, there's going to be penalties. So I like what Mark's doing. It's going to be a ripple effect when race directors do their job on the regional level. Amarillo Kart Circuit, awesome layout. Drivers absolutely loved it. As I had said, Thane Morgan, the owner, uh, interested in scheduling other races. He'd like to invest more in the facility. Uh, just needs to hear from other promoters that will potentially bring more races there. Last but not least, the weather, the weather was an absolute bear all weekend. <clears throat> you know, David, a lot of the times when we do the EK and Trackside Live, we're up you know, in an air-conditioned announcer's booth somewhere. In Phoenix, it was 106 degrees outside. We were freezing at 62 degrees in the, in the booth. But Streets of Lancaster is one of those races where you're outside on the inside of the track. I'm announcing from the outside. You know that we've had our laptops sitting on bags of ice before because it was that hot. That's what happened this weekend. My laptop, my Mac was just absolutely on fire. <laughs> at one point, there's, there was two microphones. <laughs> at one point, my, my microphone ran out of batteries because it was just sucking the batteries with the heat. I dropped the microphone down. I, I picked up the other microphone, turned it on. I couldn't hold on to it. I had to grab one of the results sheets, two of them, wrap it up and wrap it around the microphone because the, the mic, the steel mic, was burning my hand. <laughs> That's how hot it was. It was crazy. Things are always hot in Texas. It is. Uh, and you know what? Because of that, big shout out, kudos to the teams and the drivers. But more importantly, and I mentioned this, David, at every, uh, at every awards presentation, the corner workers and the officials who were out on that track for nine hours, they were the true stars of that weekend. There's no doubt about it. For sure. I, yeah, to, to be able to handle that without any easy ups out there yep. it's uh, and the wind and every, all the different elements, it's, it's definitely kudos to them. Agreed. All right, folks, that's it. We're done. That's the EKN debrief. Episode number 29, talking about the Texas Pro Kart Challenge, wrapping up their event at the Amarillo Kart Circuit this past weekend. We got another one coming down the line, folks. David Cole is going to be heading to the USPKS event, as we said. We'll have a debrief on that. Then we do the Scusa Summer Nats. We'll debrief that. A debrief focusing on the event that we just attended, giving you a full in, uh, insight, paddock pass, overview, race reports, and then, of course, looking to the events coming down the line. David, thank you so much for uh, joining me here, bud. All good. Ready to go. Keep on trucking. Let's do it. I'm heading to Mid-Ohio for Road to Indy and IndyCar. David Cole heading down the line to what could be the biggest USPKS race ever at Newcastle. Hey, if you got your cart and your trailer and you think you want to go somewhere, get to Newcastle. It's going to be a great weekend. Folks, thank you so much for joining us again. Another edition of our EKN Debrief. On behalf of David Cole, my name is Rob Howden. Bye for now.